Hello and welcome to the Hall of Fame Movie Podcast. Listen to Matt Levy and Mark Rossi as they put their cinema studies degrees to good use and induct the best movies of all time into their own Hall of Fame. With no further ado, roll the camera. Hey guys, how we doing? I'm doing pretty good, man. I am uh I am excited and slightly horrified at the differing opinions that I'm sure we're going to have on phase two. Totally. Well, Mark, it's good to see you. And we actually have our special guest returning for another week of MCU, kind of our bonus special episode here on the Hall of Fame podcast. Bill, welcome. Welcome back. Hi, thank you for having me back. You actually, you didn't let me leave. You just put me in that green room with the celebrities from last time and there's no out there. There's no outdoor. <laughs> we left you in very good company in, in our defense. Oh, sure. Just all the hits are there. <laughs> Were you in one of those doors from WandaVision where you just went into one of those doors from the basement of Catherine Hahn's house? Now, by the time this comes out, that may or may not be spoilers, Matt. <laughs> right. I, yeah, I was kind of like, huh. True. I don't think I said too much. I, yes, I did. Anyway, <laughs> we are here for MCU Phase 2 as we... On this kind of retrospective we're having here, we're going phase by phase. We're talking about what we liked, what we didn't like about some of the films from these different phases. And phase two, I think, goes to a lot of different explores, a lot of different genres, characters. And I'm excited to see Mark and Bill, what you guys have to say about these films. So I figured we'd jump right in. We got a lot to cover here on this episode. So we're going to start with the third film in the Iron Man series, which came out in 2013. This followed the Avengers film from phase one. So, you know, right off the cuff, we already have a third Iron Man film, which I thought at the time, like, wow, we're getting a third Iron Man film already. We haven't got a second Captain America or a second Thor. But here we are with Iron Man 3. I will start. uh, Just I spotted you first. Bill, you're up. Iron Man 3 had a very similar feel to me that I think I said it with Iron Man 2, where it was just like another, not the big story, but just like another issue that you you collect in a book. You know, like this is an, an, an adventure in his story. You know, it, it it still, I feel like it still didn't have to tie in. Like it was its own story. And even the, the post-credit tag where he was talking to Banner at the end, you were like, oh, right, right, right. They're connecting everything. I, I feel like we didn't hit that fully hit that point where or maybe we did but this movie didn't feel like a movie that was made to get to the next thing this was an actual iron man story i know it gets a lot of flack because everyone's like they took him out of the suit and it's like yes but you know he's also not in the suit all the time in the comic this showed like what could you do he just launched a nuclear rocket into a wormhole in space like go small and and i think it was done in a way that made sense like I know everyone was salty about the um, Mandarin reveal. The, like Marvel's that weird thing where they like retconned the Mandarin reveal kind of, or did they remember that they were going to have like, Oh, these are going to keep happening. You'll yeah, see more was, of these. There was a one shot that was released after, which was like a, I think it was like a five, 10 minute video. And it kind of made you think, Oh, was he the real one? Was it a joke? Is he coming yeah. soon? They kind of never touched upon that, but you're right, Bill. That's yeah. Apparently I, canon. Oh, okay. That's that. That we're gonna call that Nick Cannon from now on. That's apparently yes. wiling out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that fact is wiling out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I, I, and I, I know I even said the same thing about Iron Man too. But I, I, I liked Iron Man three. I thought it was a cool, different story, and I think it was such a good palate cleanser from Avengers. Like, w- like you know, really, where do you go from that? Like the end of that movie. Like, what, what could you possibly do? You have to almost reset 
what you did. And it also introduced like, it was cool. He had to do stuff outside of his suit and figure out like, you know, it, it's like when Batman loses his utility belt, like he has to figure out how to do stuff on his own. It shows him very vulnerable and as like a human. Like I, 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 I really liked, I really, really liked Iron Man 3. And I liked at the end when all those suits showed up. Now I know in the past, I've been in the past, in previous episodes, I've been like, oh, <laughs> you know, the, the, the big CG endings. This one worked. This one was like, oh, cool. He's clearing out everything. Like it was, it, it really drew a line in terms of like, he messed up. His house is gone. His lab is gone. He need like, you know, he, everyone knows who he is. Like it's, it just really showed how vulnerable he is now. And I liked it. I really, really did like Iron Man three. Mark, I think uh, you're up. What do you have to say about Iron Man three? So I revisited it before we, you know, were recording this to make sure that I had like a fresh take on it. I, I thought I remember disliking it more than I, uh, than I ended up, you know, disliking it on my most recent watch i liked it uh i think it had like a lot of great ideas some of them they didn't really execute properly to, to my taste and to my mind but i like the concept of a very different story like bill was touching on you know you have an extraterrestrial fight where you send a nuke into space to close like a wormhole and that's as big as you can possibly get to this point where do you go you have you know, a real, a very real fight with PTSD and anxiety of dealing with the weight of that. And I think that was a really, really brave type of a, a story choice uh, and having that be the center, you know, portion of his like journey throughout the entire film. So I really love that being the theme. I was on board with the Ben Kingsley Mandarin until they turned him into Trevor. So I wasn't too thrilled about that. Love Guy Pierce, but... I, I wasn't a huge fan of his character, but the the sequence I think in it was a Tennessee I think when he gets diverted there with the with the kid that ends up showing up later spoilers in Endgame I think that's a fantastic work really great storytelling yeah I think they they do a really great job with the storytelling a couple you know missteps to my taste with character choices. But they've it's seemingly retconned their way out of the mistake with the Mandarin. So overall, I think it's a it's it's very enjoyable, but not you know top of the top for me. Perfect. Uh, what I would have to say is the MCU, even the worst films to me, I still enjoy. To me, it's New York Pizza. So even Iron Man three, which <laughs> I'm going to be a little contrarian here. Mm -hmm. There's things I liked and disliked the things about that you guys both said. And I think this is, Bill said, this is another entry. Like Iron Man 2, this is Iron Man 3. It's another chapter in his story. And I like that after the giant Avengers, you know, nuking uh, a whole alien species. Now he's hanging out in Tennessee without his suit. And it is a smaller movie. But there were things that I thought this movie frustrated me was at the end of the movie, he takes out his reactor blows up all the suits. And then you see him a couple of years later, hey, I'm an Ultron. I got my suits back and I'm feeling good. No yeah. explanation whatsoever. So the continuity stuff, I think Bill pointed out before, is that because they had to create the story that, that works each movie, but here I feel like it doesn't. I think this movie's more disconnected from the MCU than any other movie. So it stinks that that has to pull it down, but it does for me because when this movie ends, I'm not Iron Man anymore. I'm cutting that out. My wife, you know, my, my girlfriend told me not to do it anymore, so I'm stopping it. And then he's back in Ultron, no explanation, and he's just flying around again. So 
I definitely have my issues with the Mandarin in all the commercials and trailers. They show him as a big bad and me being a video game and comic nerd. I was looking forward to this character, this magical character. And you're sold a, a bill of goods that is really not living up to it. But I, it's a nice spin on your expectations. I think it's clever that they took what you, what you think you know about the character and, and diverted that. But there's definitely things that work here. The character stuff, the out of the suit. I like that Tony is always upgrading his suit. Every, I know it becomes CGI at some points, but every movie, every character interaction we get with him, he's trying out something new. It's a suitcase. He's jumping out and he's got a watch and it's covering his body. Here he's got this one where he can kind of call it like it's a dog and it comes to him like piece by piece. Piece by piece. <laughs> yeah, and it's great. And that final time where he's kind of locked up and he's got to escape all these bad guys coming at him and he's got just like the kneecap piece on and one hand and he's just kind of getting pieces like flinging at him one at a time i i enjoy that scene a lot and i like him having to try to survive on his own without the suit so i think like you said it's kind of like batman out of the suit type stuff yeah so i think there is some good stuff here to me it's still a a weaker mcu movie bill you got something to say there yeah the um that whole airplane sequence that they actually did where all of those people, I mean, not, there wasn't an Iron Man. Everyone relax now. <laughs> but, but they act, you know, those were all people actually skydiving and they did as much as they could of that practically. That's, that was an awesome sequence. I mean, yeah. I, I, again, we're in a movie where a guy, you know, is a superhero and, you know, fought aliens previously. And like, there was a moment at the end when he rescues everyone by catching them and dunking in the water that by the end of the sequence, for me, I get a little fatigued. I'm like, nah, I'll buy a lot of stuff. Like, I'll buy that you fought aliens through a wormhole, but they're getting hurt, those people. Don't try to pull it over on me. <laughs> and I think that speaks to, I think this movie has good sequences, but I think narrative and structurally, I think the characters of Killian, the characters of Trevor or Mandarin, I think are weak. Yeah. And the whole extremist plot, I don't think is the best use of the Iron Man character, but right. I do think the PTSD dealing with all that, him as a human, I think there is some good stuff here. And there are, like Bill said, there's some good moments and sequences, even the ending sequence with all those suits. It's not bad. It's entertaining. I don't mind it. I'd say the sequences that work really work. Uh, it's like, this is low hanging fruit. The ones that don't, don't. But I, I think there's a couple things from like looking at it in the larger picture, not you know, looking at it as when I saw this movie and it came out and the other movies haven't been released. Like there are some really frustrating lessons that he learns in, in this movie that he immediately unlearns and then unlearns again. Like just like bigger per, you know perspective, like, oh, I'm a tinkerer, but I'm going to get rid of all these suits. And like Matt was talking about, oh, I have a bunch of suits again and they're all here and we call them the Iron Legion. We've rebranded them. It's fine. Now everything's fixed. And the other thing that frustrates me is back in Iron Man, the original, you see like the learning curve it takes for him to control the suit. And then anyone they put in the suit is immediately like, oh, I know how to do this. I can operate this, no problem. Like, well, maybe he fine tuned the suit and it's easy. Maybe it's more user yeah. friendly. I don't making excuses right. There's, for a there, fiction yeah. movie. <laughs> right. There's like the suspension of disbelief, but uh, that always struck me as odd. And like, oh yeah, Pepper totally gets to hang out in the Iron Man suit all the time and knows how to do everything. Like, uh, that just strikes like me. Like you as said, odd. it's a lot of suspension of disbelief. It's fiction. Yeah. It's fantasy, and you just kind of have to go with certain things. Yeah, I, I think this movie has definitely its flaws. I don't think this is. Top, I don't think anyone would say this is a top tier of all of the MCU, but I think in this phase, phase two, we'll, I guess we'll discuss that when we get to the end of the phase, but yeah. I think we have our pros and our cons with this movie. 
it's a great you know a great through line i think again the focus of it being his ptsd from dealing with the avengers is a bold and a really good choice for like the central narrative so kudos to them on that yeah i mean like i think bill touched on this last week they didn't really want to get into the alcohol stuff so instead in iron man 2 they went with you know how his arc reactor is affecting him it's kind of poisoning him and this one it's the his mind get through going experience he's kind of messing with him so i think they're trying to find ways to kind of humanize him even more yeah definitely i agree with that okay cool so this is going to bring us to a really fun movie to talk about what some people consider the attack of the clones of the mcu and this is thor the dark worlds from 2013 the sequel to the original thor film in phase one and the second film in phase two and mark i will throw this softball at you and let you go Okay, I'm going to subvert your expectations a little bit. I watched it. It's actually not horrible up until the final battle sequence. There's some there's some good stuff in here. I think Natalie Portman is very good, as always. I think Chris Hemsworth is very good. I think Rene Russo is good. Acts 1 and 2 are very good very solid uh you see the development of loki from being just completely mischievous and kind of you know too cool for school into having real authentic human emotions and the start of the loki redemption arc essentially over the course of the mcu i think that entire sequence with him and thor teaming up is really great that being said that final battle sequence is so god awful that it really just derails the film for me as a whole. Like there's there's a weird like RC car remote that they're using and they're teleporting people everywhere and it's it's just bad. So it's widely thought of like you were saying that to be like the worst of the MCU, the Attack of the Clones, which is as derogatory as it gets for people in like the, f- the fantasy and science fiction and, you know, superhero world. So I think it's ranked appropriately, but like we've been saying, even this, if it is the worst movie of the MCU, it's still not that bad. All right, Bill, what do you have on Thor, the dark world? So uh, my memory, I, I, I said to myself, yeah, I'll try to go back and watch it. And no, I, I thought better of that. <laughs> I, I commend you for actually doing that. <laughs> you're, you're out there doing the Lord's work. I'm trying. Um, I try my best. <laughs> my, my memory of uh, Dark World was that this was the first one where they really started being like, oh, this one's going to explain this stone. And you're going to understand everything about this infinity stone. And I remember, I think there were so at this point, I think this was the movie where so much expectation was put on like, okay, Iron Man 3 didn't do what we wanted to. This one's going to set everything up. And I think I don't think that's what this movie was. Like, I think it was just trying to tell a story that honestly, if it didn't include that Infinity Stone, I, it really wouldn't have mattered that much. It could have, that the, the ether could have been whatever. You know, like it, the ending, I just remember, I mean, I saw this as an adult and being like, I am confused I, I, even I can't follow this. I think I just played Portal 2 and I can't follow what's going on right now. <laughs> That's a great call. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like they they did some, there were some cool things where all the, when all the, when all those portals open and you saw the other worlds, that was pretty cool. Right. The opening fight, I want to say was pretty awesome. That was with the rock people, right? Yeah, yeah. That was yeah, a, yeah. a pretty good sequence. Right. You know, over overall, I just... I think this one suffered from having too much too much expectation put into it. I think that 
the fact that I, I, the trailers definitely pushed that the ether was the stone, right? Didn't it like give it an indication? Yeah, the, uh, the reality stone. Yep. It, it was just, I, I think too much was put on that and everyone expected this to be so much of a setup where I, it, I don't think it was ever, I mean, in my opinion, it was never designed to be that. It was supposed to be another Thor adventure. Right. You know? And yeah. I think this was the first time that they stumbled. And I, I you know, they, I, I don't know off the top of my head, Matt, what's the one that comes right after this? So Captain America Winter Soldier follows this. Okay. So I would not be surprised if there was a, did it, was it, were they in production at the same time or was this like, yeah, as soon as Avengers was in was in in theaters, they were already working Shooting on it. these three films. These three individual films were already being worked on. Yeah, I mean, I I think that also hurts it that it came right before Winter Soldier and right after Iron Man three. I, I don't think it's the best one, but I think if you never saw any of these movies and you watched Thor one and two without knowing anything else, you'd be like, okay, I guess it's kind of it's kind of the same type of. You know, there's nothing better or honestly, I mean, first one's really good. has a better story overall, but it's not like it was. It's not till that spoilers, not till that third one where I myself was like, oh, there are awesome stories that can be told and like have fun with the character. And, you know, Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they were a little confused what to do with the characters here. I think the character of Thor in this movie and we'll talk about his other appearance in phase two. And I think they kind of didn't know what to do. They set it up, I think, really well, like you said, in phase one. And I think they pulled that movie off. I don't think it's spectacular, but I think Thor 1 pulls off creating an understanding of his world, of Asgard, Odin, Loki, their relationship. And I think that set it up. This movie, I don't think it's Tom Hiddleston's fault. I think he's excellent against Loki. I don't think it's Chris Hemsworth's fault. I still think he's solid as Thor. And I think their relationship, and I agree with Mark, surprisingly, I think the first half or first two-thirds of this movie I think it's I think it's decent. I think this movie falls apart in the third act. You have no idea what the heck is going on. And I the biggest problem which continued from the last film is they have a villain here which is actually a pretty big villain from the comics. The Dark Elves Malekith is is a big character. He's an important character to the Asgardians and he's kind of like a throwaway villain here. He's he barely says nothing to do. And there is some cool stuff. Like you said, the intro scene with the rock fighting the rock guys. And I love Lady Sif and some of these other characters. And you also have the attack on Asgard is pretty cool in this movie towards the beginning. But this movie, I agree. Second half, it's forgettable. There's really no direction. You don't really care all that much because you figure Thor is going to come out on top. Loki pretends gets killed, then ends up taking control of Asgard and impersonating Odin, which they don't really explain how Loki... Baked his death. Yes, he's the god of mischief, but they don't explain any of that. But the movie has its faults and people notice it. But for this, for me personally, because I'm a Thor stan, let's say, he's kind of my guy. I would say this movie is, is, is watchable for me, but I can see where people would say this movie has a lot of problems. Yeah, I, I'm glad you touched on how they kind of threw away the villain here. I, I couldn't agree with you more on that. It's like that seems to be a problem that they have in the, this entire like this entire phase. And I was this actually have... really looking forward to when I heard the Dark Elves were in it. I was like, that's awesome. They're giving right. Thor a real villain because the first movie didn't really have a villain. Thor was kind of, I mean, was Loki a villain in it? Not really. Right. Some say a true villain of the friends we make along the way. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that's a cynical saying. Uh, but this makes, you know, out of the first two movies, two for two, that you have big bads that are kind of thrown away. So 
that's a really bad, you know, kind of indictment of the start of phase two is you take huge villains and you either completely delegitimize them or say, yeah, we're just going to toss this one out. He's gone now. But the, when the you last... didn't even explore right. him at all and you don't feel like, oh, well, he was big. You feel like he was just kind of, you know, villain of the week. And the last guy. thing you remember about this movie is the final fight between Malekith and Thor while Jane Foster and I've got Kat Denning's character's name and the other Darcy. two, Darcy, yes, thank you. From and WandaVision? The, and the yeah. in, yes, and the in, and the intern who she's making out with, yeah. they're all just like disappearing and reappearing and disappearing and reappearing. And that's their lasting impression of this movie is this ridiculous end fight scene, which they end up with the one taking him down because they set up this portal that doesn't let him do this and that. And it, it's really confusing and no one really knows what's going on, but they defeat him. What is the post-credits on this? What was so the post-credits post Thor arriving and surprising Jane. That was the post-credits? The mid-credit was Sif and Volstagg in trust and hand over the ether to the to, Correct. Yeah, to, yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah, I'm glad you actually just mentioned that because now I'm making a connection that I didn't make before. It's kind of like Doc in uh back to the future just trying to get the electrical cables together but there's like a couple people trying to put down these poles so you can teleport people and it's everywhere. trying to be too comical I, I wish they weren't going for comedy there and yeah, i wish they took themselves more seriously i think that's the problem is they, that whole final act yeah. it's meant for comedy and when you go to see mc movies we're going to talk about a few obviously in this phase that that focus on comedy but thor dark world is not a comedy right the problem is that they, it was like a stark tonal shift because like they call it the dark world and <laughs> yeah again, right low the irony. Fruit, it's really dark for like the first act for sure and the second act equally dark and then you're like oh let's bring levity to this final fight and you're like what's happening something feels very off yeah that that and the the villain that I actually do like in this movie which is not Malekith it's his like first in command soldier I forgot he's actually a really important character in the you know thor comics and in marvel oh, comics everyone is screaming yeah, hate in their car right now. <laughs> but he's so cool he's like he's got this big like hulking thing on his head and he looks he's just kind of kind of badass but oh well thor dark world <laughs> well we got through it we got through it guys the good news is following thor dark world we have another movie and it almost makes us forget that there was a bad movie before it so i will go back to bill and let you talk about Captain America, the Winter Cap Soldier, which came out in 2014. <laughs> Captain America. <laughs> yeah, this is, uh, and we have spoken off pod before in real life, Matt, about this. This falls into that Dark Knight movie thing where it's a good movie and also a superhero movie. You know, like they could have plugged in any, any characters and this, this would have been a solid movie. I mean, that again, I know it, that that elevator sequence is just unreal. I get I get like chill. Honestly, I, and whatever people would laugh. I get chills talking about how ridiculous that elevator scene is. It, you know, it left it left you like breathless. It's you know, it's it's this, it's the it, it was on, it was on par that scene from True Detective, that one long shot where you're just like at the end oh, of it, you're like, oh, my God, that seems also amazing. Like, right. You just you know, you see the elevator scene. And you're, you're you watching a movie, you're exhausted. You're just like, I am completely drained. That was so cool. Just to jump in for one second, yeah, sure. fun fact for the listeners, that was the literal first thing they shot for this movie. 
Oh, really? It was like a three-day shoot, and that was the first thing they shot. So the Russo brothers jump straight in. They're like, we're going to do this sequence. That cool. is the iconic sequence for this movie. So it, I just wanted to like throw that in there for you. Yeah, it's so good. And honestly, the movie it, it, the movie is so good that you don't even get caught up in... I know, it, you know, Dark Knight has stuff where if you actually sit down and dissect it and don't just ingest it for fun, you could be like, well, this and this and this. And this movie has a fair amount of like, wait, what? Hold on, wait. It's just a really good, at the core... It's about that friendship and the character that comes back that you're like, I mean, if you read the comics, you know, but you know, the in the movie, they, they didn't, there wasn't a tell about it. There wasn't any of this. And also this was the first point, at least in my mind, when, when I, you know, I, more, I was like, Oh, Marvel's doing their crazy storylines. Like the ones that like I remembered and like, Oh my God, you know, like they had talked about Thanos and infinity gauntlet. That's awesome. But this, it happened. They're like, this movie is the winter soldier story and you're like oh, no how are they gonna pull that off and you know unlike <clears throat> civil war they did pull it off in one movie and it, it you know the stuff that they couldn't put in from the comic line everything it wasn't like a it didn't you weren't missing a lot of it you were like oh this is there they were able to condense the story make it more focused make it work in the package that they delivered and you know it's just it's a great great movie and also a superhero movie and that's you know that that's it and like it 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 brought them i think that this course corrected them back on to everyone being like wait a minute because they had two again i like iron man three but they had two less than like huge huge blockbuster movies and honestly even avengers while there was a spectacle of it uh, you know that's the type of movie where and much like force awakens go ahead scream in your cars at me people but much like force awakens you know, we all went to see that movie. We all left the theater and that from that seeing that movie, being like, that was awesome. But then by the time we all got home from the car ride, we were like, yeah, but like, what about, you know, like, it, we, it, it, I, I mean, like I left Avengers hyped and then I started being like less and less excited the more I got removed from the movie. So Iron Man 3, you know, kind of, like I said, we drove us down a little bit, Thor really sunk it, but this came back and you were like, oh, they're doing it. They're actually doing it. Look at all the, you know, these characters are on screen. Oh, this is working. This is working. Oh, he grabbed a helicopter. That's practical. Oh, are you kidding me? You know, like it, it just, it made that, it really solidified that Captain American character, uh, Captain American, Captain American, Captain America character as being something that could hold his own story. And all, and all of a sudden these, the, he became the franchise that everyone was like, I want another one of these. I, I want another one. And I don't know. Cause Disney doesn't return my calls or let me in the boardroom, but I'm sure they, there was a sigh of relief because they had all their money on Iron Man. They had, yeah. you know, if Iron Man didn't work, they were like, you know, they, they were like, well, and then the Thor and then Thor didn't work. The fact that he was able to pick up and then become, you know, a, 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 I would say not, well, maybe, maybe as big as the Iron Man character, they were able to run those parallels. So they didn't have to rely on the one person. They could have that, you know, the storylines could separate in future movies and people are interested in what Iron Man does and what Captain America does, you know? So those are my thoughts. It's a good, it's a good movie, comma, also about superheroes. <laughs> Mark, you're up. Captain America, Winter Soldier. <laughs> I'll, I'll pick up where, where Bill kind of left off there. Yeah, I think it's, it's definitely important for the movies to kind of work after this, that Captain America be on equal footing with Iron Man. And this movie being so good is what kind of allowed Civil War to be split amongst fans like who which side do you want it's like the, the team jacob or team edward of the mcu i could talk about how much i like this movie for four or five episodes it's 
I'm going to just spoil what I'm going to say later. It's my favorite movie in the MCU. So cards on the table. I love this movie. It is a fantastic espionage thriller that is also a Captain America movie. And it's also a fantastic Captain America movie. It's a fantastic Marvel movie. And the fact that it's done by the guys that did like Arrested Development and Community episodes is also just mind blowing to me how well the Russos kind of balanced everything. It's it's just a great, great story. I think it also is one of the, the frustrating things because the, you know, the love that you have for Peggy and, and, and Steve Rogers is kind of what goes through the entire MCU you know three phases but i think there's there's an alternate universe bring it up again alternate universe mark <laughs> where where they really could have used the chemistry that there was between you know captain america and black widow going forward because they have fantastic chemistry and they really drive the the, the film not as much as her and hulk <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're going to get to that. Trust me. That's like going to be a, a big, big sore spot for me. Yeah. But I think it's it's just really well structured as you're going through the story. Captain America and and Black Widow don't know who to trust, if they can trust each other, who's on whose side. Just everything is questioned. And and I don't think it feels cheap. I think it feels authentically you know like a, a, authentically a mystery until it kind of unravels towards the end of the second second act going forward i agree with everything you guys have said about this movie and we did it mark we did it <laughs> this i think might be the only time we'll all agree on the movie but i think there's a few things that really work here i think first off the villain is not a villain problem because the villain is actually someone we knew from a previous movie. So you have that emotional attachment and you actually see him slowly as the movie goes on, he comes around. The villain was the friends he made along the way. <laughs> wow, what a connection. I knew you'd I knew you'd Bill brought it back. Yes, he brought end. it back. I'm yes, sure end. When you said that before, you knew this was coming, right? No, I wish. <laughs> I, I wish I was that smart. <laughs> so you talked about the elevator scene. I feel like that has to get said because that is such an awesome. You see the sweat dripping down the guys. The, just the, the close-ups. They just, they nailed that scene. And again, Mark, you brought up, this is the Russo brothers. And this is the first of their several movies. And I feel like right here, they hit a home run. This is, I'm not going to right now announce that it's my favorite MCU movie, but it's constantly in my running. It's one of my favorites. It's unquestionably in my top three, top five. This movie, we didn't even bring it up. Robert Redford is probably, if you have to pick a villain of the movie, he is the villain. They got freaking Robert Redford to play the villain of this movie, which he's like the crime thriller 70s guy. And here they got a political thriller and they have the main guy who was kind of from the error uh, doing it. So it's kind of awesome that he's here. I love the Black Widow stuff. And I feel like their chemistry is off the charts in every scene. It's it's sexual, it's intense, they don't trust each other, it's everything. But they have such good chemistry together, Chris Evans and Scarlett Johansson. You got Nick Fury, who's got an awesome uh, scene in his car where he gets chased down. It's one of the best car chase scenes as far as just the action in this movie never stops. You never know who to trust. This is the whole Hydra has been inside S.H.I.E.L.D. this whole time. It's like this earth-shattering twist that you realize. And then you have Bucky. Like Bill said, if you didn't know going into this, that Bucky's back and he's Winter Soldier. 
it's an awesome twist. It's an awesome thing. And we didn't even mention Falcon on your left. Right. I mean, what a great introduction. It's, it feels so natural the way they meet in the beginning and the way their characters begin to, again, trust one another where I feel like Falcon's kind of guy who doesn't get involved in 20 people's lives. And Captain America has, he's got no one. He's been basically frozen for the last several decades. So it's really cool the way these characters, it feels organic. It feels natural the way these characters get together for this huge uh, unraveling of S.H.I.E.L.D. And this movie, again, like Mark said, I can go on for five or six episodes, an hour or two talking about this movie. It's great. It has the post-credit introduction of Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver, which made me excited because I was like, oh, we're getting mutants. We're getting the X-Men, which not really. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And then then when they announced Civil War, we were like, oh, they have to give us mutants in the X-Men because that's the whole point of Civil War. Oh, no, not really, I guess, huh? (laughs) No, they really put their own spin on it. But it doesn't hold this movie back at all. I love this movie. And it's it also sets up a lot of things going forward. But I agree with you. This brought Captain America up to Iron Man's level. And this nothing else in the future works unless you just distinguish here that Captain America is just as important, if not more. I think he takes I think he takes the lead. I think he takes the steering wheel here. He's the cap. He's the he's the leader of the Avengers. He mm-hmm. proved here that he never has selfish intentions, which you can say Iron Man sometimes is doing things for the for the glamour and the glory. Captain America wants no part of that. And that's what's so great about him. I think he's so relatable. I think you guys have said it previously last week that he's so incredibly relatable because he is human. He's not this rich, loaded guy. And yes, he got super powered, but he's just like us before this. So he knows yeah. like what it's what it's like to not be the super powered guy. Yeah, I'm just a kid from Brooklyn. You know, that's, uh, that's, that's, why, that's why we love Cap. I think he definitely benefits from the you know russo brothers and marcus and mcfeely being like the primary engine that drives this the rest of the way and that's what makes his story probably the most complete and consistent over his movies and the avenger movies so there's that connection but yeah there's some great plants in this movie that pay off you said like the the on your left and just everything that happens with shield leads to you understanding why Cap feels the way that he does when they bring up the most Sokovia Accords by the time he gets to Civil War. Like, you're, there's no question in your mind why he's feeling the way he feels. I would also hate myself. I know we brought up the elevator scene. I need to bring up the scene in the beginning where they all kind of have a mission to get on this boat and she, she, you know, she has to get the flash drive. But the way Captain just one by one takes out all these men and these soldiers on the boat, followed by that awesome fight with like the head guy there where they kind of do these like martial arts fight. It feels like a born identity type quick martial artist fight. It's just super cool. Yeah, they do a really great job with that. I read in uh, an interview with the Russo brothers that they made it a point to use the the shield more offensively. They really wanted it to be used as an offensive weapon instead of just for defense because of the vibranium. So they really bring the the shield into using those, you know, ridiculous angles that defy the laws of physics as uh, Peter Parker notes in Civil War, but just some of the things that he does with the shield is just awesome. Yeah, some of the action and fight choreography in this movie we didn't even talk about the scene where, you know, Black Widow and Captain America are chasing after Winter Soldier and, you know, basically on the street and you got Falcon and they're all shooting at each other. That whole scene is just staged so well. Uh, Crossbones is in this as well, right? This is where he gets. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's, it's prior to him being Crossbones. Frank I think it's Grillo. Frank Grillo. Thank you. Thank you. He's wonderful. He's so good in this. And you also get 
you get Peggy's niece in this yep. movie, Agent uh, 13, is it? Yeah, Sharon Carter. Sharon Carter. And she's like also excellent cast, well, well plays the part, and they get a little romance going too. So it's 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 this is this is a good ensemble between you know Samuel Jackson, you got everyone in there. She's like there, there there exists a scene somewhere that hasn't been shot yet, let's say, where he goes back in time and Peggy's like, What was the future like? And you know he's just starts sweating. He's like uh, I don't remember. Honestly, I don't. I definitely do not make out with your niece. That's all I know. And she's like, "My what are you talking about?" He's like, "Nothing. I just don't do it." So let's not bring it up again, okay? Listen, listen. He's ninety-five. He's not dead. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah, I think we can all go on about this movie. Seems like we all enjoy it. I will. I'll hate myself if I don't talk about the line. I'm. I'm with you to the end of the line. Like that always gets me as. Uh... As, as just a, a fan of emotional scenes. I think that that's just the line itself. It goes full circle. Yeah. Oh God. It's, it's yeah. Yeah. I'm going to want to watch that movie after we finish today. <laughs> I might watch it again. I, I've watched, I watched all of these movies to get ready for this. That's I, I skimmed and I watched sequences, but this next movie, 2014, I think took a lot of people off guard. And I think when we first heard this movie was coming out, when Kevin Feige went on stage and announced all six films of this phase, people said, huh, what? The Guardians of the Galaxy? Mark, your turn. You have to really give full credit to James Gunn and his vision on this and being able to make Groot a popular character. Like that in and of itself is just mind-blowing, just the most unexpected like consequence of of the success of this movie is people everywhere just going i am groot you never in your wildest dreams would have imagined that he would be like this seminal type of of character but guardians of the galaxy is great they do they have a very different take on it you get the retro music so the music is set in a very specific time while the Movies not set in that time. I think it's a, a great contrast. They have fantastic chemistry as a group. Bradley Cooper as Rocket is fantastic. And I'll even give credit to Vin Diesel. He does actually bring some different emotions to his I Am Groot line deliveries. And uh, I think I saw that he did like seven different languages of I Am Groot. So great job, Vin Diesel. I've never doubted you, big fan. But yeah, they have a great couple villains in here i mean you have two or three you could really say the big one's ronin but you have you see thanos for the first time in a in a movie to set that up nebula's always kind of a, a jerk at this point but yeah it's it's a fantastic movie i think chris pratt is hilarious i think zoe saldana is fantastic uh Dave Batista is also good. I want to make sure I get to everyone in, in the group. They're all, they all do a great job. It's really well put together. The cinematography is also great. I don't want to just focus on the music entirely. But again, if you can get me emotionable, uh, emotionable, emotional about, about Groot sacrificing himself for, for, for the Guardians towards the end, you've done a fantastic job. Bill, Guardians of the Galaxy. Well, now I'm all emotionable. <laughs> Uh, i I guess i I guess i can't edit that out now (laughs) (laughs) so here is you are absolutely right uh that so much of this is james gunn um that's not to take away from the amazing performances but i here is in retrospect and i've given thought why this movie worked so well and it's exactly what matt said when people when he came out and announced that everyone went huh 
and everyone had zero expectations for what this could be. Very true. So that so that allowed them. Now I'm sure there are diehards, and I'm sure there's people once again screaming in their cars at me, or the train. I don't care how you commute, but you know <clears throat> the majority of people, including myself, were not really familiar with the history of the Guardians or any of their storylines or you know any deep deep seated plot threads or anything. So he was able to kind of he had I, I I think he had a little more freedom to use this this set up so much of what the MCU built towards this did the, this movie did the heavy lifting of the rest of the movies up till now, what we've seen. I mean, this set, you said it was the first time you really saw Thanos. Well, is this where he turned around? You saw him. He said, I'll do it myself. That was um... after the Avengers. He okay. Around. So you, so we saw half his face, but this time you saw him on the throne, right? They come up and talk to him. Yeah. Yes. Right. The movie was well made. It was allowed to be funny because there were no expectations. No one, no, there was no one there that I, and I'm sure there are people out there that were like, I, you know, grew up, you know, grew was my favorite. Or I grew up in this character, my favorite. That's awesome. But they were allowed to be whatever James Gunn wanted them to be, you know, whatever, whatever the people, whatever those actors on set gave them, you know, uh, it had John C. Riley in it. It had, you know, it had a fun space adventure. It was a sci-fi space adventure. It's a, it's a good movie. You know, it's allowed to get away with all the CG. And I mean, the, the final thing is the, the, you know, Ronan's like bringing the planet down around everyone. And he, he you know, it, it, it was allowed to be over the top because, because of the fantastical nature of the story. It really, I think more so, I, I think there exists a another universe Ooh. where, where Dark World was the way into this, this style, right? And that flopped. And I don't know how much of this was reaction or how much was already in progress, but this really allowed them to do all the cosmic stuff. It allowed all of a sudden, you know, you didn't have to be either on Earth or with Thor and Asgard. Like we in one movie, you fully bought there was an entire universe full of all these different races, you know, more so than the alien villains at the end of the first Avengers did like this gave more it more it was it was a more credible experience you were like oh yeah of course there's all these different things and there's all these different cultures and rich histories and planets that we can go to and this this did what a, a you know if you're when you start uh, when talking to people and i know i go back to this example all the time just because as a child i collect comic books but this legit is that weird issue that you're like oh my favorite character goes into this other storyline you pick up and you're like whoa this is crazy and that's what it was. It could be any, there was no expectation. It could be anything. It could be anything. It was anything. And it's insane, not insane, but it's really interesting to me to see how much of the heavy lifting this did for what the MCU built towards after that. Yeah. It, it, it really, I mean, cause you came from such a earth-based spy espionage movie, a super human, not, not a extre an extremely human story also superhumans in there but extremely human story to a galaxy spanning space war with you know so and it worked it, it yeah. set the tone like it really did set the tone where you're like okay we went you know small iron three and then thor what happened whatever whatever and then you know brought it back to like this espionage thing where even though Captain America's world fell apart like for the most part the world wasn't falling apart in that one and then all of a sudden you had these enormous battles in space and you know it, it gave something where the characters now there were female characters that were i mean black widow's great but now there were lead female characters that were great that you know people going on dates people bringing their daughters to could be like 
I want to be Gamora. I want to be Nebula. And you're like, yeah, that's awesome. I mean, you could be Black Widow. That's awesome too. But these were great characters. They had something to say, something to do. I think the villain for me was a little bleh. But it, it ended up being okay that it was like that. Because you saw him again, which was pretty cool. You know, like we, I thought that was pretty cool. Of all the villains to bring back, you're like, oh, no, yeah, sure. Aesthetically, he was a cool looking villain. You know, it, it, it was very, it set a really cool mood on his ship. And he was, it was definitely a threatening villain. Yeah, um, he had a presence to him. Uh, yeah. You know, it set up a lot of cool stuff. It really set up a lot of cool stuff. I want to say, was it Yondu, right? That the whole floating arrow thing, that was awesome. That's yeah. cool. That set up a cool little. They so many characters were introduced in this that were that were more memorable than how many other characters in the previous movies that were introduced. You know, right. like, people talking about Nebula more than they would talk about Whiplash, who was the main villain. You know, the the main villain. Like two thumbs up. It was a great movie. It was awesome. It did so much of the heavy lifting for for what would become the MCU. Yeah, Bill, I think you, you hit the nail on the head there. I think this movie, because if you read the original Guardians of the Galaxy comic book, these are not even the same characters, not even the same story. And because people are unfamiliar with the, the, the characters, there was a lot of liberty here. So they, were, they basically had a blank slate of how they could write this movie. And I think that's why the expectations were, what is this crazy movie going to be? It looks nuts. And you went to see it. And I think this was that genre twisting type of movie so first you have the first phase one, which are all feel like superhero movies. Phase two, you have Iron Man 3 and, which you said, Thor 2, which are still superhero movies. There's really nothing fresh about them. But then you have Winter Soldier, which is a political thriller. This doesn't feel like a superhero movie. This feels different. Here we are again, Guardians. It's this genre flipping superhero movie. And I don't think it matters that Ronan is not the best villain in the world because it's so much at this point about these five characters that you just met that are so charismatic dave batista is so over the top ridiculous as drax i cannot believe it's bradley cooper because i usually find him unlikable and everything and i love him as rocket raccoon and vin diesel seven languages groot i mean <laughs> this movie gives us baby groot i mean what better thing did this movie give us so uh, you get another chris here we have enough chris's in the mcu we get chris pratt here as star lord and i love gamora i mean zoe just kills this character so i I love this movie. Mark, you, you brought up the soundtrack right away. You can't talk about this movie without talking about the awesome 80s soundtrack that this movie has. And I think this movie is just about as far as introducing new characters in outer space in the MCU, there's really not much better you can do when you're trying to introduce all these crazy and you're bringing the Power Stone in, which we saw Thor failed in bringing a stone into the MCU. Here it's like, yeah, of course, a power stone. That's that's normal. We're in the outer space. We're in the universe. But Thor just couldn't do it. And here, they make it look easy. And James Gunn deserves so much credit. I'm happy he is coming back for the third. I thought, you know, we'll talk about the second when we get there. But this movie is, I agree with you guys. It does a lot of things right. It does very few things wrong. The characters have such great chemistry. And you just think about their whole journey together. As in the beginning, they're, they're battling for the item to try and sell it. Then they're in prison together and it's a whole prison escape. I mean, there's so many just clever, witty sequences, lines of dialogue. And this is movie is hilarious. It's entertaining and it's extremely rewatchable. Yeah, it's definitely rewatchable for sure. It's really well put together. I think the format for this was so different and worked so well that they kind of went back to the well on this with Captain Marvel, which we'll get into obviously later. And I think was highly 
volatile uh, because of how much they tried to copy it and how like it didn't like strike the same chords. We will definitely talk about that movie when it gets to it because I have plenty to say as well. I would but, just like to, before we even get there, I'd just like to say Captain Marvel is a very important movie and I respect what it meant for people out there. <laughs> yes. And it's just oh, a absolutely. filmmaking I, experience. Not saying I feel anything like bad. we're going to be saying those exact words many times. <laughs> so they, they... <laughs> I think we all agree on Guardians of the Galaxy. I don't think we have to carry on too much more. The movie is important for the MCU for so many reasons. Thank you for listening. That was the first half of the Marvel Cinematic Universe Phase 2 retrospective. We ran longer than imagined, and we will be cutting this into two parts. Please tune in next week for the second half of the MCU Phase 2 retrospective. Thank you. From Mark and Matt, thank you for listening to the Hall of Fame Movie Podcast. Check us out on Instagram at Hall of Fame Pod or email us at thehalloffamepod at gmail.com. Please leave us a review and be sure to tune in next time.